The servant is a student and a teacher, a trainee and a trainer. They are called to grow daily and produce fruit in their own lives as well as in the life of their fellow men and spiritual children. Upper Room Media presents this servant development talk, praying that it will aid you in your life of service. In continuing um, the theme of the retreat, we all know what the theme of the retreat is, as Abuna Kurlis mentioned, and as we know from our shirts, it's he must increase, we must decrease. So this idea of decreasing and he must increase is something that we want to keep at the forefront of every service that we do, everything that we do in the name of service. I will share with you a personal story right before being ordained uh, as, as a priest, you know, Amber David said to me, you know, you'll be ordained, you're going to go to Egypt. Every single bishop you meet, every single monk you meet, every person you meet, try to take a word. Try to take something. And one of the bishops that I met, the first word, the first yani, blessing that I got when I said to a bishop, hey, give me a word of advice, he said to me, he must increase, you must disappear. He must increase, you're not even in the picture. Like don't even imagine, he's, let him do everything and, and study this and let this be the work of your life until you die. That he must increase and you must disappear. Do nothing of your own accord. Let him be the, the, the one holding your hand, the one work. <clears throat> so in he must increase and we must decrease, how do we apply this to the service? We decided to go with two routes, discipleship and leadership. And this is why the first talk that we had from Mutsubuna was about discipleship. And we see in looking in the disciples' the disciples' lives, they, we look at them now and we know them to be leaders, great leaders of the church. We know their story from the beginning until the end, how they died and how they were martyred and, and how many lives they've touched. And yani, St. Mark, the apostle, who, he, who he's the leader of, yani, the, our, being our first patriarch. <clears throat> and the fact that we just celebrated Pentecost, we just celebrated the descent of the Holy Spirit on these disciples. And when you look at the contrast, the difference between before and after, looking at just St. Peter. St. Peter before this, and all of the disciples really, they were timid. They were, they were anxious. They were scared. They were worried. Even with Christ, even seeing all of the, the miracles, their faith was still weak. After the resurrection and after the restoration and after Pentecost, we see if we look at just St. Peter alone, one sermon, how many people were, were converted? 3,000, right? Just one sermon. Clearly this is not him speaking. Who's speaking? The Holy Spirit. So if it's him speaking, he had a choice, as every one of us has a choice. Whenever we speak, whenever we serve, whenever we do anything, am I serving of my own accord, or am I stepping back and allowing the Holy Spirit to work? If the Holy Spirit is working, this is the yield that we will see, like the 3,000 being converted. So we want to talk about leadership. Leadership. And I have a PowerPoint, but forgive me, we don't have a screen. For, I only had one picture. So we'll talk, I'll show you the picture and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk um, about the rest. But the first verse we wanted to start with is from Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. <clears throat> 
He says, it shall not be so among you. This is not how we do things. This is not how the things of the new covenant go. You're leaders, but you're not going to lord this over anyone. But whoever would be great among you must be what? Your servant. And whoever would be first among you, he would be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So being leaders for us means washing feet. It means to serve, to put ourselves at the lowest point. Father Thomas Hopko, who I suggest all of you get to know if you don't know him, he was a great author, um, and he was one of the deans of St. Vlad's Seminary. He said, orthodoxy is paradoxy. And Christ mentions this throughout the Gospels. If you want to be first, you have to be last. If you want to be great, you have to be the lowest. It's always the opposite. So one of the pictures that I, and I had for the PowerPoint, I'm sure you, you can all see it. It's, it's one that we all are all familiar with. It's Christ washing feet. And although we know this story well and we, you know, we read it fast in church and it's something that we're all familiar with, sometimes we need to stop and think about what's really happening in this picture. God, our God, sovereign ruler of the universe, the creator, king, is washing feet. Right? And we know from the Gospels that Peter said to him, whoa, 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 whoa hold on, you'll never wash my feet. And, he's, and he, Christ replies and says, if I don't wash your feet, then what? You, you have no part with me. You don't belong to me. I have to wash. I came to serve. And he did this to teach them, yeah, right now you might be a little scared and timid, but you will have great authority. You will have great power. You will be leaders. You will have the authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And if they're not careful, if you think about it, this can get to your head, right? As a human being, if someone is able to heal the sick, of course the devil will always whisper, look at you, you've made it. Look at you, you're now healing the sick and you're curing the blind and you're casting out demons. So he wanted to teach them that humility and meekness is the only way to lead. Is the only way to lead. So what defines a leader? Since we're talking about leadership. If you look at the world definition, the Oxford Dictionary describes it as the person who leads or commands a group, an organization or a country. Very dry. Just someone who's in charge. The boss. Period. But the church defines it, and I'm using this, Yanni. There are many things that the church defines, but one of them is one who serves and leads by example. One who is humble, compassionate, filled with wisdom, who he or she asks for. Because God said, if you don't have wisdom, to do what? If you lack wisdom, if you think that you're having trouble with wisdom, what do you do? Ask for it. Ask for it. And this is the one thing that God will give without reproach. This is the one thing that you will get freely Sinner, not sinner, good, bad, far from church, you just sinned, you, it doesn't matter. This is the one thing that if you ask with faith, you will get it. It's a promise. Wisdom. And without wisdom, how can anyone lead? Right? We know Solomon, when God asked him, what, what do you ask? He said, wisdom. Right? We don't have to get into it because it's a bit long, but he asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom to lead the people, God gave him everything else, the riches and everything else, and told him, you will be wise as none before you and none after you. So, to use this as a springboard, what defines a godly leader? What defines a godly leader? What would you say defines a godly leader? Hmm. In your own opinion, a godly leader. 
لا مش هينفع selfless what else wisdom and humility yes perfect perfect examples of what we're talking about love yes yes one who inspires others to live in a Christ-like manner to live with integrity right because if someone is leading what is a servant's job as a leader right his job is to be so rooted in Christ holding Christ's hand that he goes in search of those who are not holding God's hand and holds their hands and does this he connects them together that's the job of a leader that's what we are tasked to do to bring those to Christ to share the good news of Christ he sets an example by how they live i cannot be a leader on sunday and then throughout the week i'm living a life contrary to what i'm teaching a hypocrite forgive my my saying so this is what defines a godly leader someone who is a leader on sunday on saturday on friday on third going backwards and forwards every day they lead by example right they fulfill that command in matthew 6 that we read in the 6th hour gospel let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven this is not just those who are unbelievers but this is everyone those who are struggling leading by example helps those in need humble in all things humble and wise and we want to focus on this humility guides others but keeps modesty and i want to use a quote by cs lewis it's a quote and everyone knows who cs lewis is right highly recommend that you and you read his books he has something called the paradox of christian leadership he says authority exercised with humility and obedience accepted with delight are the very lines along which our spirits live hmm? obedience is the road to freedom humility the road to pleasure unity the road to personality and these are the things that must saturate our christian leadership hmm? authority exercised with humility there is no other way Humility is the key and this is why the theme is he must increase and I must not just decrease I must disappear. I forgive me I didn't change the words it was one of the bishops and he said to me you must literally disappear because if I disappear then pride cannot be found in me because there's nowhere for the pride to go. Truly when I say glory be to God I truly mean glory be to God because the devil will sometimes fool us into thinking and saying glory be to God but in our hearts there's a little part that's no no glory be to me i did that i did i prepared i did the job just a little bit just a little bit yeah I want everyone to see what i did there but this is why we have to be careful god called us to be leaders he called his disciples to be leaders so in order to be a leader we must be disciples one does not go without the other and this is why the talk the first talk was about discipleship and this is about leadership there is no such thing of graduating from discipleship and becoming a leader once a disciple always a disciple and i cannot be a leader without being a disciple but not just a disciple his disciples i must be just like the 12 i must be just like the 72 i must be like those who follow christ to the t that everything that we do everything that we teach from general to major to minor everything whether it's teaching a class whether it's cleaning the building no matter what it is has to be done against the backdrop of Christ and his teachings the goal is to be like Christ to lead like Christ and to emulate his way literally what would Jesus do this is how we are to lead 
In John 13, 12, 15, we go back to that picture. He said, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And he's telling all of us, do you understand what's going on? You have to understand. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. I am. For I, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another, another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. So he sends us out to be leaders. He gives us the spirit of leadership. He gives us the spirit of being bold and preaching and helping and serving. And the Holy Spirit will work in us. But without humility, the Holy Spirit cannot work. It just The equation doesn't make sense. There has to be the humility. In Hebrews 13.7, we read, Remember your leaders... Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So being disciples leads us to be leaders. And in Acts 20:28, 20, we read something that should wake us up a little bit. Being a leader, we have a great responsibility. In Acts 20, which we should all be reading these days, being the feast, the fast of the apostles, pay careful attention to what I'm about to say. And also the verse says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. It's not my service. It's not my class. It's not my lesson. They're not my kids. We are stewards. What's the definition of a steward? Hmm. What's a steward? Hmm? Shepherd. Someone, someone who takes care of something that's not theirs. I'm the, this is why you read in many parables the, the master of the house left and left servants in charge. And he came back and found the servants. Be, you know, it, so it's, or the shrewd steward, the parable of the shrewd steward, beautiful story where the master has, was gone and left them in charge. Or the talents. He left and gave them talents and then came back. So literally, he left and he is coming back. And he left us in charge of the service. So in order to lead and lead with humility, there are things that the church teaches that sometimes we hear servants don't agree with. Forgive me for saying so. I cannot, and I have no authority, as a priest standing in front of you, as a servant, as anyone, to change the words of God. To implement my opinion. To say the church says thus, but ah, we have to move with the times. No, this is not a leader, this is not a steward, this is not a disciple. If this is the case, then we can teach somewhere else. But as leaders of the church and leaders of, of the service of Sunday school or whatever service that we serve that has been granted to us from 2,000 years ago, literally the same words that Christ is telling his disciples and the disciples teaching and Paul telling us is what applies to us. We are stewards. So we have to lead by being disciples. Like it's in the same picture. There is no, I'm a leader now, I don't have to be a disciple. It's one and the same. There is no one without the other. Any questions thus far? No? Okay. So back to characteristics of a godly leader. There are many, but we'll focus on a few. The first one is love. Second one is humility. Again, back to he must increase, I must decrease. This will be the theme of everything that we say. And when we speak about love, there will be humility. When we speak about something else, humility will always be the backdrop of this. Yani the theme. Always learning and motivating. Lives a life of prayer and repentance and active and willing to roll up one's sleeves. And we'll go into each one briefly. I'll try to move quickly. Love. 
simple concept, a word that we all use, right? God is love. We read in John, 1 John 4, 8, and the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So as the Holy Spirit was given to us and poured out onto us, us as servants and leaders, we pour out onto those whom we serve, right? And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul famously, we all know, and he writes about the transformational nature of love and how it is greater than spiritual gifts like faith and hope. And Jesus told his disciples that other people will know them by their what? By their love. By their love. Right? So the question remains, and we don't have to dwell much on this, do we love those who we serve? The issue becomes when I serve as a job, as, as something that I do, as a title that I hold, something that I hold myself in high esteem. But without love, it's nothing. Because Christ loved his disciples. And Christ loved even those who came to him who didn't want to heed to the word. The rich guy who came to him and said, I did all of these things, what do I need to do? If you read the story, it says Christ looked at him and what? Loved him. This guy didn't stick around, he left. So why would he even mention that he loved him? No, he loved him. So everyone that we serve, do we love them? Real love, not oh yeah, I love you. No, do we love these kids like they are our kids? Like they are our family? Like we are personally responsible before God for them. God will ask me and Marianne about Theo and Anna. God will ask Peter and Sally about, about Theo and Tito. He will ask everyone about their own children. Yes, we know this. We took oaths in the, in the baptismal, in front of the baptismal font. But he will also ask you about every single student that you ever had in your class, if you are a servant. Just like Abuna was mentioning. Yes, please. Question. Switch. Well, again, it's not our responsibility to... It's our responsibility to give it our all. And we're going to talk about this in terms of active service. It's our responsibility to do our part. The issue becomes, God knows when I've given 100% or I've given 20 and said, well, there's nothing more I can do. He's a troublemaker. But if I give my 100%, a lot of times 100% means can be hands-off. Literally praying for this troublemaker every time I pray. Or praying for this person who refuses to believe in God. Or praying for this person who refuses to take communion or to come to the meetings or whatever the case may be. So as long as I am doing my part as a service, I can stand before God and say, okay, I've done, I've done everything that you have given me the ability to do. This is what leadership and service is. I don't have to burn myself out by doing everything. No, this is why our God is a God of order. And the service is in order. We have the priest, we have the heads of the service, we have the servants, we have even the retreat. We had those who planned, those who did, those who executed, those who called, those who brought this. So it's a matter of order. As long as in the class there's an order. Okay, this kid is a very, very big troublemaker who doesn't want to come and he's cursing or whatever the case may be. What are we doing about it? A, prayer. That goes without saying. B, what's going on at home? Are we visiting? Maybe he needs a visit. What's mom and dad's situation look like? What is the parents, the relationship? What is, you know, a lot of people, and you know, in, in all churches that we've served in Yanni, you see there are always people who struggle. The home life sometimes is, is not easy. Mom and dad, whatever, Yanni, we don't have to get into specifics, but a lot of times the kids come, they put on a smile, but on the inside, and when you, they usually act out, this is a result of, you know, what's going on at home. So to work with the priest so that the priests can go and visit and see what's going on. So that there's a synergy between the class, outside of the class, the priests. So I think this is any of the key. To give it our all. 
but to not overexert where we're focusing on one and not the others. So it's a matter of, and I think everyone knows when they're giving their all. And I think that it's, it's pretty clear. Yeah. So it's a matter of giving our all. So do we truly love them? It's a question that we want to ask ourselves because of course the answer is yes, we love them. But real love, love in which we think about them outside of Sunday. We pray for them. We go and we visit them. And I had, you know, do we visit them? Do we call them? Do we give them our time? So very, very important. And I love what you mentioned more yesterday that one thing that you see lacking in the service is visitations. It's hard. It's, I think, one of the hardest aspects of the service. It's very difficult to coordinate times to who's working, who's not working, who's going to go. But as long as the effort is there, the Holy we have faith that the Holy Spirit will do the rest. So it's a matter of being organized. And if there's a lack, we try to fill this lack. So if there's five servants in the class, we'll have one who's in charge of taking the lead of, okay, who needs to be visited, and we'll try to visit them throughout the year. If there's yeah, 20 kids in the class, Abuna, I think, was mentioning yesterday, one, one phone call a week. Every servant take one phone call a week, or if, who needs to be visited. And sometimes, like you said, a phone call is enough. And we gauge, it depends. Some people need a visitation, some need a call. But it's a matter of being done in love. Even sometimes you talk to people about visiting, it's like... It's not done out of love, it's done out of obligation. Which can be done, okay, the job is done, check. But me, as a leader, it, I was entrusted with this child who his father, her father, is my father. We are family. If you think about it, Annie, in the spiritual sense, I am entrusted with them. It wasn't haphazard that I have this child. God could have called us to different churches across the U.S. Our parents could have immigrated to California, to Florida. You know, everyone sitting here together is not kidding. God put us all together to be a family, to love one another. So the service is not just, and that was going to be my next point, not just to love the, the youth and the children and those who we serve, but each other. This should be a very, very tight-knit family. If anyone has an issue with one another, we should talk about it. We should... You know, it's not something that we should sleep under the rug. We need to love each other like the disciples loved each other. And yes, there, I think today's uh, one of the epistles was the contention rose between Mark and Barnabas and Paul and that they, the contention was so hard that they, they split ways. It happens. That, that means there's always going to be issues and there's always going to be people that rub us the wrong way. But back to the word love. Without love, the service doesn't, the gears are not all grinding correctly. Right? And it's felt. It's felt. I don't want to take too much time because I know we're... We'll try to go quick. Second point is this humility that we keep hearing. In every talk that we talked about, in everything that we talked about today, humility is always in the, in the background. What is humility? What is humility? What is your definition of humility? Someone give me a quick one. Huh? Putting others before yourself. Yes, exactly. And there's, yani, if you just Google humility in the Bible, you will have verses upon verses upon verses. We'll take a few. Proverbs eleven twelve. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. So Marina, what you said about the godly servant, humble and wise, they both go together. You can't have one without the other. Because if, he, if they're wise, they're humble. And if they're not humble, there's not going to be any wisdom. So this is how we fill the gap. A lot of times in service, we might feel like something is lacking and we don't know what it is. Sometimes we don't have the zeal to serve. Sometimes we don't know what to do. 
nine times out of ten, humility is the answer. To serve with humility. Even in our prayers, to tell God, here I am, do with me what you will. This was a prayer of St. Macarius. He said the best prayer is to go before God and say, here I am, do with me what you will. Whatever you want, I'll do. Okay? In Colossians 3.12 we read, put on them, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness. How are we talking to the youth? How are we talking to each other? Are we kind? This is what a leader should be. Humility, meekness and patience. Are we patient with the troublemakers? Are we patient with other servants? Are we patient with Abuna and his weakness? Are we patient? This is what humility is. And in 1 Peter 5.5 5, we read, Likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for God opposes the proud but give grace to the humble. And everyone should highlight this. God opposes the proud. So can you, when you think of oppose... Right? You're trying to move forward and there's a block. So in my service, if I am proud, there's going to be roadblocks that are unnecessary. Because I'm not humble. So if I'm not putting others by myself, and I think for us as servants, the act of humility is not outward. Because anyone can be outward humility. It really is a matter of personal choice inside of us. Are we humble of heart? Because on the outside, I can look as humble as can be. And, oh, no, 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 it wasn't me. But inside, what's happening inside? Because that is what is made manifest. In my service. And with God. Maybe not with people, but then again, forgive my saying, so who cares what anyone thinks? It's what God thinks. And what the Holy Spirit will allow me to do and the gifts that will work if I am truly humble of heart. This is how one leads. This is how Christ led Christ had every authority to do whatever He wanted. Do you remember what He said to them? Do you not think right now I can call to my Father and get 12 legions, I'll wipe, I'll wipe everything out. Are you kidding me? Relax, I got it. I don't need to do any of that, but it's humility. right? And the disciples were like, oh, do you want us to call down fire to wipe these people out? He's like, how many times are we going to talk about this? It's about love. It's about humility. This is how things move. This is how things move. So, so the question again for everyone is, do we truly see ourselves as tools in God's hands? And this is something I learned from Abuna Kurlos. He's not here, I'm happy. I learned this from Abuna Kurlos. He would always say, tell God I am a tool in your hand. Use me how you see. Today you want me to be a hammer, I'll be a hammer. Tomorrow you need me to be a screwdriver, I'll be a screwdriver. But if I go about myself, I, sometimes I'll use a hammer for a screwdriver and then I'll be like, oh, well, what did I do wrong? But really, if I'm a tool in God's hand, He will use me. He will use me for the right purpose. The next part is always learning. Again, being a disciple, I'm always learning. I'm always seeking knowledge. Right? Proverbs 1.5 Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the ones who understands obtain grace. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. This is a non-stop thing. There's never going to be a graduation for this. This is forever that we learn because we can always learn and we can always increase in knowledge, right? How can we do that? And again, forgive me for bringing any cookie cutter answers here, but our to net, you know, to be a, a hammer right now, our daily Bible reading, right? Are we reading our Bibles every single day? If we are only reading our Bibles so that we can take out verses for the lesson that we're going to plan, there's a problem, right? Not just our Bible reading. Are we reading spiritual books? We are living in a time of, in my opinion, great abundance. 
You don't even need to go to the library to get the book. You can download the PDF. You can listen to You don't even have to read it. You can listen to it while you're driving. Any book now. You know, any sermon. All the apps are available to us. So am I learning about humility? Am I learning about love? Am I seeking out words of prayer? Pope Shenouda, in one of his sermons, he says, A lot of people haven't really learned how to pray. We think prayer just means talking to God. Done, check. I talk to God. Am I seeking out the knowledge? So a spiritual leader, a godly leader, is someone who is always learning. And we ask ourselves the question, how can I fill others if I'm not constantly being filled? How? How? And one of my favorite verses, John 14 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How can the Holy Spirit bring to our remembrance things that we haven't read? Because you'll notice, and I'm sure every single one of us has encountered this, where you're talking to someone and God serves up the verse that you need to give this person. This is that right there. The Holy Spirit bringing to your remembrance all things and teaching you all things and equipping you with the tools to be a leader. But if I don't read, if I don't study, what will the Holy Spirit remind me of? It's not a go serve, don't worry, take care of it, we'll just give you what you need as you go along. No. It's I have to constantly be learning next point lives a life of prayer and repentance Saint Mark the ascetic tells us constantly pray in all things so that you might not any not do anything without the help of God and, and not do anything here we can add serves right whoever does or busies himself with anything without prayer does not succeed in the end concerning this the Lord said without me you can do nothing in John 15.5, he tells his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. And personally, I take this nothing as literally not. You can't tie your shoes, you can't brush your teeth, nothing. You can do nothing without me. So how can we then go and take this great endeavor of leading in service without Christ? Right next to us, in every single aspect. We want to have Christ on our minds in everything that we do. Again, forgive me, I'm going to move pretty quickly. How can we stand, again, the, everything has a question. How can we stand boldly and preach of prayer and repentance if they are not priority for us? Because I'm pretty sure in every lesson that you teach, in some way, shape, or form, prayer and repentance is in there. In every saint story, there's a form of prayer and repentance. So if this is not something that's priority for me, I'm just sharing what I... There's no depth. Like Abuna hit the nail on the head yesterday. He said, I'm taking something out of the... I'm putting it in the microwave and I'm serving it. It's soggy. Here. There's no zeal. But when I'm serving something that's creme de la creme, the words of the Bible lived and, and experienced, it's liatam, it's felt. Okay? Next characteristic, active and filled with zeal. First Peter 4.10 tells us, as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards, there's that word again, of God's varied grace. Every single person here has something to bring to the table. Everyone has a, a, a gift. It's our a talent. We don't want to bury this talent. We want to use this in our service. Okay? Being a leader in service means willing to put in the work. Sometimes I'm going to do things that are uncomfortable. That doesn't necessarily mean that if I, my, sir, my gift is not to teach, that I have to teach. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about going the extra mile in the service that you're serving in. But I shared the, and this was by God's grace. And I shared this verse yesterday. For those who weren't here, Try to Pope Shenouda, his holiness, Pope Shenouda says, try to toil for the sake of others and trust that God will not forget the labor of love. God who does not forget the cup of cold water, he said it, I won't forget a cup of cold water, will never forget your labor for his sake. 
And he says it was once said of the saints, he used to labor for the sake of the, the, the monks, he used to fill the water pots with water and bring them to the cell. And the water, to get the water was far. It was like miles away from the, from the monastery. So one time he turned around and saw an angel taking notes. So he asked the angel, what are you doing? He said, I'm counting every step you are taking. Counting every step you are taking so that you can receive your reward from God. Answered the angel. And Pope Shana says, every step has its value before God has its reward. Can you imagine? Uh, really, it's something terrifying. Can you imagine we're standing in the line of judgment, we're standing before God, and when it comes to the service aspect, it's empty. We were serving since we were 13 years old. What do you mean empty? I, I served, I went to servant's prep, I did everything. I went to the servant's retreat. I, I did everything. How can my service be empty? Well, was it void of love? Was it void of humility? Because if it is, then it's not real service. I'm here as a, a task, homework, just something that I have to do. We don't want to lose our reward. And the rewards are great. The rewards are great. Someone mentioned yeah, the, the reward, I won't get much, but the reward of the servants, we can imagine, are greater than those who don't serve. Yeah, there, there's a reward for every step you take, cold water. So you can imagine serving with zeal and serving with humility and serving with love, there is a reward. So can you imagine standing before God and Him saying, you know, just like He will stand before people who have gone to church every day and He will say, I'm sorry, I, I don't know you. What do you mean you don't know us? We were there every day. We served. We, we did everything. And it mentions these people serve me or worship me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. Let us be careful. And we will hear in Tazbih tonight, may we never fearfully hear you say, I do not know you. Because he will say this to people. What are you talking about? We served. We were there. But it wasn't real. And that's what we want to focus on. I leave this to every single one of you personally to go and find out what it is real service than what I'm doing. Is it real or not? Okay? Back, back to our point. He must increase, I must decrease. Humility, obedience, and unity, the three marks of Christian leadership. Right? Humility is the backdrop in which, uh, we said this already, that all service must be done. St. Augustine says, humility is the foundation of all other virtues. Hence, in the soul in which humility does not exist, there cannot be any other virtue except in mere appearance. Without humility, everything else is fake. I'm sorry to say. St. Augustine is saying. It's all fake. Without humility. Inward humility. True humility. And humility shows in how you talk to the others. True humility. Okay? Pope Shenouda III has a beautiful, beautiful quote. And I think maybe we'll, we, will end, we will end with this. He says, this is Pope Shenouda saying, Once a new priest asked him for a word of advice. He said, Be a son in the midst of your brethren. And be a brother in the midst of your children. So you're always lowering <laughs> Always lowering yourself. Okay? This is because you... Listen to the, This is our last point. This is because humility can open even the hearts that are shut. Your humility can open the hearts that are shut. So God saying, I will give you a heart of flesh and take your heart of stone, your humility has a part to play. Because if He sends you out into the field to work and to serve, and someone has a heart of stone, your humility is that light that allows the Holy Spirit to work to turn their heart of stone into hearts of flesh. Questions? Glory be to God forever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart.
and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.